Hi, and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and this is episode 12, Where's the Tavern? Hmm, what will this episode be about? Well, I can only say it's probably where we went after episode 11, man, to celebrate such a great podcast last week, man. The ladies really put on a show for us, Marty. There's no doubt about that. They did. They did a fantastic job, and according to some of the feedback they, uh, that we got, people want them back, I think. Well, they should. Their voices are probably a lot nicer to listen to than ours. That's true. And uh, so who who knows? I mean, we, we got some positive feedback, and I'm sure they'll be back on at some point in the future. People ask for it. We give them what they want. Well, it's going to take a lot more positive feedback to bring back my wife, Donna. Let's just say that. She's she's like, are you sure about that? And I'm <laughs> like, hey, you know, you, you got some good feedback. I mean, Brad McGowan, I hope I pronounce his um, name correctly there for on our board game geek guild um gave us some real good feedback on the show we appreciate that and brad you know um i showed it to the wife and i was like see see what you've done you've brought a couple together (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, i showed it to vanessa and she was like i'm gonna get all teary because i may have gotten somebody else to go to gen con well you know and that that's great um you know and that and you know casey did a great job in bringing her experiences i'll admit we had some comments about her quote on Candyland, but if you didn't play everybody played Candyland. i mean oh. did you play Candyland with your boys no you're kidding oh man what a great teaching okay. colors okay what okay here's here's the thing boys so they could they could like the sugar plum guy thing. Do you think they really had an interest in Candyland? Uh, probably not. Uh, no, if it, it, at that point in time, at that young of an age, they were if it had to have like Power Rangers on it or something like that, or dinosaurs or something. So if there was a Power Ranger flavored shoots and ladders, yeah, they'd be all over it. Okay, I, I understand that. Now, I, I do have a confession in this episode, though. I used to cheat with my daughter i don't know and it was you know donna talked about you know how you teach them to win and you teach them to lose i wasn't trying to teach losing and win. i was trying to get done with the game at some times because you know you can only play it so many times and we kept playing and kept playing i'm like oh look sweetie you won da, 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 you know so it was it was one of those things where it's like hey you know, you, you you enjoy the game, but eventually you, you just, you're like, okay, let's move on. You were looking for that next step. So next, you know, let's get past shoots and letters. I can't wait till we can get into something a little bit more challenging. And well, it took us. Like sorry. Yes. Yes. Sorry. There you go. Sorry. Uno, stuff like that. Fun games, you know. I'm with you there. So, but I think in this episode, we're going just, it's just you and me this time. Right, Marty? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me look around. Yeah, there's nobody else in the room. Uh, anybody else online? I don't no. think. Yeah, it's just us. So I hope I hope we don't disappoint anybody, but it's just us this time. No guests or anything. All right. Well, hopefully we can live up to it. Well, I know in our first segment here, I mean, I, we haven't really said what this game is. One of the things that I think that has regained popularity, Marty, and you know, you and I have gotten back into it. We were we were children of the '80s. There's no doubt yes. about that. And during showing our age, just showing our age a little. Oh, uh, quick, quick tell on me. I, um, I've got my interns reporting to me this week, man. I've worked longer than they've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> oh, it, when I started 
where I work, I came in and there was a guy who I went to high school with his daughter. It is funny how things have turned around now, you know, wow. you know, so anyway, so back to it, we were children of the eighties and back then there was this game building momentum. I'll admit we didn't get into the very start in the late seventies, but you know, mm-hmm. dungeons and dragons, man, I, I've tried it in the eighties. It got a lot of negative stigma about it and you know, but it seems to be gaining some resurgence, Marty. And, and I, I don't, I know we're going to talk about why that is, but I, and I know we've looked into it, but I, that's what this podcast is going to be about. Not specific role-playing games in general, but except for one, except for one, you're right. But just why something from, from our childhood has come back and why we think it's, it's a great way of bringing gaming with your family you know, or bringing your family together for gaming adventures. Help me out here, Marius. You understand what I'm trying to say? Well, yeah, because we do it all the time. So our family has gotten really into role-playing games recently. Oh, a side note before I forget. The thing that Vanessa totally regretted was she kept referring to games like Castle Ravenloft and uh, Descent as RPGs. And yes. she was like, she was like, after it was over, she said, that wasn't RPG. She said, I meant to say it was like, you know, a very light RPG-ish type game where you have a character that you build over time, but it's a board game. And I said, well, don't, don't worry about it. People understood. She said, no, on your next episode, you need to let the people know, I know what an RPG is. And I understand that Ravenloft and Descent are not RPGs. I was just trying to use that as saying, here is a board game with a concept of storytelling and a little bit of character development that is a good stepping stone towards a full-fledged RPG. So she wanted me to apologize for her. So I've done that now. And Donna kept asking me when they, they were done, she looked at me, she goes, RP, uh, what's an RPG? I, I'm not understanding. I'm like, I, I think Vanessa had the terms a little bit. She was trying to mean something there, but that's, that's good that she recognized this. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And in fact, it was after she was over, she's like, okay, we got to redo the whole episode. I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Uh, y'all just got through that. It sounded great. We're not going to redo it just so you can fix that one little thing. I said, look, we make mistakes all the time. So, and we're always having to go back and correct ourselves and let people know, yes, we meant this or meant that, said something wrong. So, no big deal. I mean, if we corrected all of our mistakes and put them in the outtake reel, the outtake reel would be longer than our actual show. Uh, yeah, it would be. So, you know, maybe that'll be a special episode down the road. Or maybe it won't. So Yeah, just think how much editing you'd have to do there, man. No way. Yeah. So so back to the point, RPGs, they're they're coming back. They're, they're great games to bring the family together, believe it or not. And so let's kick off this first segment where we talk about the various... RPGs that are out there. Is that what we're going with first here? I lost my, I lost my notes here. Sorry about well, that. Hold on. Let's, Let's see. see. Where, where's the, uh, where's the uh, show notes here? There you go. Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, oh, no, it's, it's how RPGs changed uh, the calls and, and what's changed and all this is our opinion. So enjoy our opinions. So in this part of the show, we're going to talk about how RPGs have changed from the early 70s to now, in our opinion, and why we've gotten back involved in it. So take a listen. 
love to hear your comments on how maybe you tried it out earlier and you got back into it. I know I did. And so Marty, you know, when I was growing up in the eighties, the first time I got to do this, I went and did a dungeon and dragon scenario. I had no clue what was going on. I didn't understand this type of adventure. Uh, did you ever try it when you were young? You know, I, I didn't. So it came out, uh, we looked it up. What? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons came out in 74. Gary Gygax um, was one of the creators of it. And I know the history of it. Well, I don't know if you, have you ever looked at the history of how he came up with that? It's kind of interesting. No. I, I... It was the whole deal where miniature games were really big in the um, 50s and 60s. And, uh, you know, it was like the, the strategical, um, tactical type board game. We got the moving of the figures. And this guy said, well, it'd be kind of interesting if instead you have a, a character that is more character driven and, and story driven and stuff, and you don't need the little miniatures and stuff. So he came up with the, the concept. But anyway, so yeah, right at the forefront when it came out, I was I was too young to really understand it. I didn't really see it until high school. And there was a friend of mine who was into it, and I, I just didn't understand it at all. So no, I never got to play. I saw a person talk about it and I heard things about it, but I never sat down and actually experienced it myself. Okay. Well, when I got to play, I mean, it was the typical, I don't know if you remember in the movie Goonies where the kids are, you know, it seems like they're sitting in the basement or something or in the house and they're sitting around. That's what it was. We were sitting around this kid's basement. We were, we were trying to play it or was it ET? I think ET even had it in there. It's amazing. You go back and look at those eighties movies I think you can pick up every one of them, you know, has some type of D&D scene in it. And then, of course, Tom Hanks and stellar performance in Mazes and Monsters, you know, that was a classic. <laughs> you know, that's up there with Joe versus the volcano. But anyway. Uh, Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> Joe versus the volcano was much better. <laughs> I don't even think he mentions that one in his movie thing anymore. But. You know, and that's what it was. They they pulled me over. They go, so, and, and we joke about it in the title of the show. So you start in a tavern. Okay, which D&D doesn't start in a tavern, you know? And, what, uh, what role-playing game doesn't start in a tavern? It's like, okay, it's the start of your adventure. What do you want to do? Well, is there a tavern here? Well, let's go talk to some people. It's like the general meeting place where all adventures begin. Exactly. And I don't know if that came out of... You know, back then in in the 80s, when I started playing, the computer games started coming out and you had Zork, Zork 1, Zork 2 and on down. And then Ultima, you remember Ultima? Sure. And all those games really started building on what was already built. Like you mentioned, the the role-playing games that people were experiencing, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. And I don't know what caused them to suddenly be, to be called, you know, demonology. I guess it's because... That's what you fault. I don't know. You know, I never saw anything bad about it. Okay. A little side note on that. All right. Cause yeah. actually this has just come up again. I don't know if you saw this, but Pat Robertson actually just recently released a YouTube video talking about how Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing games were very demonic and taking you down the way of the occult and stuff like that. And that is a carryover from what we saw in the eighties. Now I did grow up in a church and and so I would hear stuff like that. Now, I never I never believed it because I, I knew what it was. It was just guys sitting around, um, you know, telling stories and stuff like that. But you know, I remember these stories about how, you know, a, 
the famous one was, have you ever heard, did you hear this one from the 80s where a, a boy's character was killed in the game and thus he killed himself because of it? Uh, wasn't that Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks? Uh, yeah, well, but uh, supposedly it was like based on a true story or something like that. And okay. it was like that was not true. Or if there was some situation or something like that, the, the guy was mentally unstable anyway and it had nothing to do with that. But yeah, I heard, you know, all these things about, oh, in Dungeons and Dragons, you got actually got to cast these spells and stuff like that. And well, you know what? If you never played before, you're like, what exactly does that mean? So, yes, I do remember all that. And it, and unfortunately, there is still a stigma with Dungeons & Dragons because people still believe that that is, stuff is still happening. But I think you nailed it on the head about this. For for people to try it, we've been... It's, it's storytelling. That is all it is, plain and simple. You're telling a story. So are you telling me that, you know, throughout time, storytellers have been, you know, full of demonic, you know, whatever, because they're telling a story. You're, t- you're basically sitting around a campfire telling a story that you're getting people involved in. They are interacting in your story. And who doesn't love a good story? Right. And I don't know if, if you remember from the 80s, there was those little tracks that people would hand out with little cartoons. And it was um, one, it was by a, a guy, it's, was it Chick Tracks or something like that? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But there was the famous one where... Um, the guy had to to learn these spells and by learning these spells, he was actually casting real spells and it was, it was way out there and really bizarre. So yeah, I, I think it got a really bad rap in the eighties enough to where it kind of scared people into in, not wanting to try it, but you're right. It is simply storytelling. And when you played in the eighties, did did you have to strictly use your imagination? I know a lot of people today like to use figures or maps and stuff. Was it just you and a sheet of paper and you just had to kind of imagine what you were doing? Uh, actually, it wasn't even a sheet of paper because the, uh, the guy had just learned how to do it and he invited me over and a couple other people. And I don't think he was a good uh, dungeon master, which was the turn term back then which I now is what game master well I think dungeon master refers specifically to D&D and they couldn't nobody else could use that term because it was trademark blah 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 game master generic term <laughs> okay and he just basically sat us down and he says first off y'all are in a tavern you're meeting one another and what do you want to be and we rolled characters and I'm like and they started using terms like uh you know, what was it? Int, strength, wisdom. And I don't know what else they were doing. I I was just like, I am totally lost. And why has this dice got so many sides on it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was well, like, holy uh, cow. Do you know what, uh, remember what edition you played? It had to be. Uh, was it, it Advanced be? Dungeons and Dragons? I, it may have been. It was in It was in 1986. So whatever was out then. Okay. So, Yeah. Well, no, wait a minute. It would have been 1982. So it would have probably been like maybe the advanced. Yeah. Yeah. AD, AD and D. AD and D. All I know is that I ended up in some cave with ice dragons that I had to slay. That's all I remember. And then I went out and said, you know, this is kind of interesting. It was kind of neat. I enjoyed it. And we went out and bought the book and everybody thought I was crazy. And I immediately returned the book because, you know, guess what? It was no one else would play. 
So, and back mm. then you could return things without a receipt. But anyway, <laughs> there's um, your old buyer's remorse again. Should I keep this or not? Well, I asked, does anybody want to do this? Anybody, everybody's like, no, that's, that's demon oh. stuff and witchcraft. Well, we're not going to do that. Well, you know, what about the guys you played with though? Um, true story. True story. He got committed to a mental institution. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He did. So so he fulfilled the stereotype. Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh goodness gracious. But he he got better. He got better and now teaches. But um, you know that's beside the point. Moving right along. So so uh, (laughs) so so, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say. I think the. Moving along, I think the first time that me and you actually tried playing an RPG, if if I'm correct, I could be wrong. We didn't talk about this before the show. It was the early 90s after we were out of college and we were in the apartment. Is right. that right? And we picked up a Marvel role-playing game. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. I can't remember who made it or anything like that. I just remember it was in a little box and they had some pre-written scenarios. Exactly. I forget, too. And it was um, your brother-in-law, who we hope to have on the show when we talk about um, what is building terrain and stuff like that. Um, he was with us. His friend was up from um, Mississippi, and we did this. And it was, you're right, it was a Marvel role-playing game. And that was our first exposure at it. And we had no clue what we were doing. No, we were totally lost. So I and like I said, I had never played a role playing game before, and knew what they were. I just didn't have any friends that played, or I would have definitely tried it. So I was totally lost. I do remember this. I remember uh, we picked Marvel because it's like, hey, I know those characters and stuff. And I picked Silver Surfer. I said, I'm going to be Silver Surfer. And this introduction scenario was like chasing down bank robbers and stuff, and it was ridiculous because. Obviously, Silver Surfer is going to kind of be overpowered compared to your basic bank robber. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no matter what I did, I won. It's like, okay, I want to, yeah, I can't remember what I did. But whatever I tried to do, I would always win. It wasn't very hard. And didn't our other roommate play too? I vaguely remember somebody being Thor. And yeah. You, and using yes. this, he would, if he got stuck, he would use Thor's hammer to mm-hmm. rip a hole in time and space and throw somebody through it and then close the hole. I'm like, what? Uh, oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. You, you were the silver surfer with the power cosmic. He had Thor in this, his time portal. Um, I think your brother-in-law was uh, the Britain hero. I forget what, who he was, who couldn't pass a bar and he had to do a skill check because he was a drunk. Uh, you were Spider-Man. Um, no, I was the GM. Uh, Oh, I was the GM. I remember that because I remember saying, Oh, well look, his back story is a drunk. I'll make him roll. See if he can pass up a bar. You know, I, I vaguely, and then you're, you're right. I'd forgotten about our other roommate doing the, the ripping the hole in the time continuum and doing something that was hilarious. But, you know, and I, and I guess Marty for us, you know, that continues to be, why is it getting so popular? And I think you hit it when we were talking about this earlier is 
it, think about all the video games, the MMORPGs and everything that's led to that. I think it's really helping rebuild that the RPG and that and some very popular ones that are out there. What you're talking about me mentioning it earlier was actually before we started recording, we were just going over our show notes and that's where that came from. We hadn't mentioned it yet, but no, I, it, my theory was that, so the D and D and the whole role-playing game kicked off a whole series of video games that eventually got very sophisticated over time. So RPGs are extremely popular video games. I know you mentioned some of the early, um, oh, what were they called? Uh, a text ones what what was the term for that text-based adventures is what i remember i get text-based adventures okay like uh zork and and things like that and basically you were just kind of typing in instructions uh, if nobody's ever played any of those before it was it was pretty dumbed down it was basically you, you type in you had like a DOS screen you type in go north go south look at this open the door sort of thing but anyway so they got really sophisticated over time one of the early popular ones i remember was diablo Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, that's not really a role-playing game. That's a point-and-click. Okay, Never mind. Need, you, you need to go ask Vanessa what the difference is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bad. I guess I was thinking a story, a story-driven uh, a game. But no, so let's see. What was one of the early role-playing You said Ultima. Ultima was uh, definitely one. Any of the massive multiplayer online MMO-type games derive from the, the pen-and-paper-based games in that you roll a character, you create a character at the beginning of the game, they're very low level, and over time they gain experience, gain XP, just like you do in a role-playing game. You gain new equipment, you gain new spells, and you kind of play through a story. Well, look how popular those have been over the past, what, 15 years. How long has World of Warcraft been out? Obviously, that's that's been the biggest mm-hmm. one. It's been out seven or eight years, but before that, you had um, EverQuest, which was extremely yeah. popular. You know, EverQuest led to, you know, the big World of Warcraft, and there's been tons in between, and we should know because I think me and you played, at least tried them at least once. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some we stayed with for a while, some we didn't. Yeah, who, who can forget our favorite Star Wars galaxies? Yeah, that was awesome. Darn but, you, Sony! <laughs> it really... Messing but, up a good game, but anyway. Uh, anyway, but yeah, you're absolutely right, and and you're right. If D&D wasn't popular and some type of money maker, why wouldn't, you know, why, why would these companies produce these type of games? They just lend themselves to it, you know? Well, there's, and, and you'll hear developers talk about where they drew, uh, drew their game design from their experience. And it was typically from their experience playing pen and paper games. So now here we are over the past 15 years, something like that, with these MMOs being extremely popular. Uh, All various versions, probably people have tried them and stuff. And so now all of a sudden, role-playing games don't seem as odd anymore when you bring them to the tabletop. They seem very familiar. For those who are really young that, uh, you know, don't remember before the video games came out and the MMOs, and now they try the role-playing game, it's like, oh, well, this is like a a real time or not a real time, but a, you know, a board game type or tabletop version of the MMOs that I play. Mm-hmm. And I think that the MMOs are so accepted because when you had at one time over 10 million subscribers to world of Warcraft, they can right. relate to that. They can sit down and understand, Oh, well, here's my character sheet, which is kind of like what I do when I create a character on an MMO. 
and I'm going on an adventure, except of using a mouse and a screen, there's a guy over here guiding the story, and I'm verbally giving my commands of what I want to do. And instead of clicking buttons to attack, I'm just rolling dice. All right. And big key thing that I think is really helping out, it's the social interaction. Now, I admit you can still go online and people do this. We know some people who meet on a weekly basis and do the uh, some type of GMing through a uh, chat channel, Google Plus or whatever. But, you know, the whole key there is you've gone out of that computer-based world and you're sitting across the table enjoying one another, which I think really helps, especially with this revamping of board games that we're seeing, you know, uh, you've got that going on with the RPGs out there. And there are really a lot of good RPG stories out there and systems that, you know, back from the, back when I did it in the eighties and you and I started, you know, you don't need, so some people like it. You may just need a D six out there or not a whole bunch of dice and then with the cost, uh, the ability to put miniatures in the game, it really brings it down to the table. It really brings something that, why not? Why can't you just, you know, sit down with your friends, have them over, especially, you know, at our age. It's it's a really good way to, to have fun. I mean, you know. You're talking about the different experiences you can have. So, you know, in the 70s and 80s, maybe it really was just uh, somebody has a piece of paper, a grid paper, and they kind of draw out, okay, here's a road and, Here's the famous tavern that we always start at and stuff. And so you can kind of visualize what you're doing. Well, now look at the market out there for the RPGs where there's this sophisticated terrain and these, you know, sophisticated maps. And so now you can just build the world out of, out of, um, you know, terrain pieces and stuff and make it even more visible and interactive. I know there are some people that don't like that. I mean, a prime example, we have referenced before the um, show from Will Wheaton, Tabletop. Mm-hmm. Did you see the episode where they play Dragon Age? Oh, of course. That's that's one of the things we'll talk about later, Dragon Age, yep. But, you know, in that one, they didn't want to use terrain or models or anything. They wanted to use strictly their imagination. And that's the way that they like to play it. Personally, I'm probably more of the mindset, I would like to have nice-looking figures and models and buildings on the table to kind of help me visualize what's going on. I just would get into the game more. So I know that's another thing that's kind of neat about it. There, there's also a little bit of the hobby aspect. If you are doing the miniatures or terrain, a lot of people get into making the houses or or making walls or, or creating little figures. I mean, look, you have a, a company, uh, Reaper, uh, mm-hmm. Reaper Minis, who is all about just making these generic figures to be used for role-playing games. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, The visualization, I think when you bring that, I mean, there's nothing wrong sitting down with pen and paper and telling a story, taking it back old school. That's great. And a lot of people that works real well with them. But I think you and I, from our engineering backgrounds, (laughs) we're sitting there with our tactics and and trying to figure out, okay, you know, how, how do I, how do I attack this guy? How do I need to move? Let's measure something, you know? And, and and you just gotta if if you decide that you want to step into this, and I, I, I'll admit it, I would recommend doing an RPG. You need to see what you, what the people you bring together, your good friends, and say, okay, what? How do you want to do this? And and your mention of Reaper, you know, that's a great cheap way to bring the little miniatures in. You you don't even have to paint them if you don't want to, but I love painting, so highly recommend it. Um, and, and it gives you a little something. What was it? Um. You know, when we talk about it, um, Alex, who's been on the show, started the um, 
the gaming club, he started, he did some terrain for us recently. And all he did mm-hmm. was what? Use foam board from the uh, Lowe's uh, or Home right. Depot. And he made some quick, easy campaign. Shoot, drop a rock down on the table. It'll work just as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, I have a, a friend of mine who we will talk about having on in, in the future. He's into doing um, Lego things now. So all of his terrain's made out of Lego. So his all RPG campaigns just based in Lego world, which is uh, kind of cool. So yeah, there's that whole aspect of it. And just to change subject just a tad and jump back to something you mentioned earlier about it's RPGs are good for the family. So the first time my family had ever tried an RPG was at Gen Con uh, back in, it was either 2010 or 2011 when we tried it. We There was some family-friendly RPG sessions that we signed up for, and we went and played one, and it was called, and it just left me, Something Adventures, mm-hmm. um, and the GM was awesome. I, the whole story was we were these little kids um, that were going into a movie theater to watch a movie, and these alien robots came down and were attacking the theater and stuff. That's the first time any member of my family had ever played. And we sat there for three to four hours and they were hooked. They loved it and had a ball. And that was a couple of years ago. And since then they have really advanced just this past Saturday. Uh, my middle son had five of his friends over wrote a scenario for Pathfinder and he introduced Pathfinder to, you know, four or five of his friends and they played for like three hours my oldest son, several weeks ago, uh, introduced uh, also Pathfinder to his friends. They're hooked. They're actually planning to come over here and do a 24-hour gaming session sometime. So the pressure's now on Adam to write this really long scenario that can sustain a whole day. So there's some pressure on him. But so my family's really into it. And as you heard on episode 11, Vanessa is really into RPGs, even though she kind of mentioned Descent and stuff. But she really likes the real <laughs> RPGs of sitting around and and doing the story thing and rolling a character. In fact, she acts. She gets into her part and changes voices and acts out a part, which is all part of the game too. Oh, yeah, and I've heard some of those voices. And let me just say, maybe we can have on the, the podcast Vanessa doing her voices. They're outstanding. Love them. <laughs> um, and, and I'll admit, you know, Donna hasn't um, done an RPG with us. She's watched me do um, our friends in Kentucky, their kids, um, and my neighbor's kids, they sat down and they've done Dragon Age with me and Iron Kingdoms and, and my daughter, my daughter, my daughter is my daughter. There is no doubt about it, Marty. She couldn't under, she couldn't visualize what was going on. I was mm-hmm. watching her and I was just like, you're, you're not getting it, are you? She goes, I don't understand. I said, I tell you what, why don't you just go wait back in the tavern? Okay, we'll come and get you. Wait in the tavern. Where's the tavern? Oh, okay. Where's the tavern? I mean, and she she didn't enjoy it so much because she picked a character, and it had a bow, and it kept her rolls were so terrible. The the um, arrows kept dinking off the armor. It was hilarious. Um, but so she really didn't understand it. And so the next year when I did another one um, with over Christmas with them, the girls sat out, and I. You know, but it was interesting. The one daughter went off to school and she's done a few. I mean, it's still, it's popular in college. You know, you, you, you hear about it all over. So without a mm-hmm. doubt, I, I mean, RPGs, they're, they're coming back. And, and I think to wrap this segment up, it's, 
it's not just for the nerdy and the geeky like you see on Big Bang Theory, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, it's for anybody. It's storytelling. And we all enjoy a good story. We all enjoy listening to a good story. And, uh, you know, here I did my Todd homework today. And as uh, Gary Gaiax stated, you know, his, his quote was, the essence of a role-playing game is that it is a group cooperative experience. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's what it is. Yeah, that cooperative, we hadn't even thrown out that word because me and you are all about cooperative type games and this is like the ultimate cooperative game you aren't against other people and stuff like well i guess you could have a character that sidestep somebody in the back but anyway uh it is all about cooperation and you mentioned the the big bang theory and the uh recent episode from like a week or so ago two weeks ago I don't know if you saw it. They actually play D and D. I saw the Christmas one where they were helping to rescue Santa. No, this I'm talking just just recently. Just I know I saw ago. it. I know I saw it. I just they okay. just run together. So, so they so they play D and D, which I thought was cool. But the only bad thing is it does promote that stereotype that it's nothing but nerdy geeky guys sitting around doing this thing, and that's just not the case. They even made a joke about. You know, what's one thing you never see in a role-playing game, and that's an, a girl. And that's just not the case either. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of girls are, are into it. And it's, again, we got to, it's no, there's this stigma that we do have to shake. It's not just for geeks and stuff. It's just for people who want to sit down, socialize, basically play a cooperative game, and have a good story hooked to it. If you got if you got a GM that's got a good story and you can kind of get into the role that you're playing and stuff, it's like acting. Mm-hmm. And, and you know the best thing about this, Marty, is as we pointed out in some of our previous episodes, if you're doing an RPG and let's say Steve brings over some of his his great, incredible, famous barbecue, I don't have to worry about messing up your boards or anything. You know, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> There's nothing to mess up. Well, maybe some nice terrain somebody made or a model or something like that. But it's but, foam board from Lowe's. Come on, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and then you got, or your own dice or anything like that. So, yeah, without a doubt, it's it's a great social aspect. It's something that you need to talk about. And, uh, and I know we're going to talk about some of the ones that we're going, that we've tried in the past. Throw them out there as long as, and what's coming up in a month, a free RPG day for 2013. We'll talk about a little bit about that, I think, as well. Sure. Sounds good. We're going to go ahead and get you up to those other RPGs and discuss those for a little bit. Yep, let's do it. Okay. So for this segment, we're just going to talk about some of the different RPGs that we've played. And there are way too many RPGs to discuss that we haven't played. So what we're going to do is just basically talk about the RPGs we played and maybe some of the different mechanics that we experienced in the RPGs. Some are a little bit more, and I believe the term is crunchy. There's a lot of number crunching going on and different dice rolls and aspects that may be a little bit hard to track. And others are just a little bit more simple just to kind of for the combats and the checks. There's less numbers on the page. And uh, Tony, I don't know, you talked about D&D early on. I don't didn't know AD&D. A, I never played it, but were the character sheets, was it... Was it intimidating? Was there a lot of uh, blocks to fill out, a lot of skills and stuff that had to be formed and stuff like that? We we did not have the money for character sheets or anything like that. We had a piece of notebook paper. Oh, and so, okay. <laughs> and I, but I think, Marty, that, you know, from the earlier days, it may have helped me having something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. 
where you have that sheet that you can see and understand that stuff. And, you know, back then, believe it or not, out there, young people, computers weren't that prevalent out there. Okay. And I, <laughs> and I don't think a dot matrix printer could do the type of images we would have wanted. You know? <laughs> that's true. Um, it's funny that funny that you mentioned that because people talk about they still have their character sheets that was handwritten on notebook paper. So, you know, in the books, when you talked about creating your characters and stuff like that, you actually had to handwrite out your race and all your stats and everything like that and track it like that. We didn't have the convenience of a a fillable PDF form that we can, you know, fill in with all of our stats or a spreadsheet that automatically calculates everything and we hit control P and spit it to a nice color printer and get a sheet like that. But that's kind of getting off topic. The whole thing is, so there's these really crunchy type games that where the character sheet is, could be really intimidating. The Pathfinder Pathfinder sheet, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It can look rather intimidating because there's a lot going on. We played, uh, last year at Origins, we played Dark Heresy. And I think one of the issues you had with that was, did you think it was a little too crunchy? I thought it was too crunchy. I didn't like, what was it? Something about the percentile you had to roll lower, which was against every grain in my body. Wasn't that how you achieve success? Oh, yeah, it was something like that. Instead of exceeding a number, you had to roll below a number or something like that. And and my brain, it just could not wrap around that concept. What do you mean? For years and years and years, I've been trying to roll higher, and now you're wanting me to roll lower, and it's a percentage. I'm just not understanding that. And then, you know, you had various segments, and you're right, Marty. It it was. It was a little too crunchy for what I was used to or what I – really enjoyed there were some other aspects of the game that i didn't and you know the game the game master you know there were some things he did that i didn't really enjoy but all in all the game itself i it, it was it was too crunchy i didn't understand the characters and i think the uh, the biggest thing was i didn't understand the universe that i was in and and mm. that you know that that helps so the mechanics uh along with the story you got to really enjoy the story. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Right, right. So uh, beyond that, I guess a more simpler uh, system that we've played um, was Savage Worlds. Right. And I think the neatest thing about that, one of the mechanics that I enjoyed, was the exploding dice where you'd mm-hmm. roll a six, it was, and then you got to continue to build up on that. And it wasn't just so you could have multiple, it's like having a critical or something. That's how I equated it, you know? Right. It was um, basically if you rolled the max of whatever die you were rolling, so whatever size die you rolled, you rolled a max, it exploded, you you got to roll it again. And the thing about that game was there were, it seemed like there was a lot less stats to track. And, and keep track of during a game. Um, right. The, the stats for the weapons and stuff were easy to, to follow and stuff like that. It, it was easy to figure out if you hit somebody or something like that or however you, you were doing. A nice, another mechanic about Savage World I like for people to maybe consider is it just has multiple worlds is what I would say. You've got a fantasy, you've got a wild west, you've got, you know, just various worlds that they've built and have a tremendous library for in the savage worlds. Right. And so, yeah. So as opposed to like dark heresy, where you've got a game built around a universe uh, with savage worlds, you basically have a system and you just implement whatever universe you want to have for, to use that system. I guess the, um, 
the open source like uh, D20 type systems, the same sort of deal where there's just like an open set of rules mm-hmm. and you say, well, you know, it's going to be sci-fi. It's going to be fantasy, whatever you want. That's the nice part about that. The tough part about that is you got to be a little more creative because if you're telling your own story, you may not have any lore to fall back on. So you're the one coming up with it all. Right. And, and that puts a lot on the GM or your group because, you know, you may share the GM responsibilities, but it at least lets you tailor to, to what you like. You know, you're not stuck in a world where you're in space and you've got, you know, these aliens that you're fighting. You want to do a Wild West? Well, there you go. Create your world. Figure out your own lore. I mean, there's enough stuff out there to read. You could develop it from that, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you wanted to. And I think that's that was one of the neat mechanics of Savage World I enjoyed. I also enjoyed the ability to, you know, you're not sitting there having to um, roll multiple side dice or anything. You just had a simple D6. You're no. going at no. eh. No, there was more. I can't remember. No, Savage Worlds includes multiple side dice. Uh, I can't. I just remember exploding dice, to be honest yep. with you. Yeah, I mean, cause last time I played, there, there's D4s, D6s, D8s, so it's it's different. It is. I did not realize. I, think, yep. well, I, guess, I, guess, I guess Pep just kept it simple for me then. I don't know. He said, just here, roll this die. Okay, that works for me because he gave me a side that uh, de- uh, dice that's had ace on it. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. So, and, and that was the neat mechanic about Savage World, I think, and that I enjoyed. Now, Dragon Age, which Marty, I know you didn't play. Um, it came out as a free RPG in twelve um, from Green Ronin. Is that did I say their right, name right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, Dragon Age video game. I, I really enjoyed that video game, and I said, well, let me give that one, and maybe I can bring our crew into an RPG that uh, around that video game, because maybe all of us have played Dragon Age, and it, you know, anytime mm-hmm. you have a common thing, what I liked about that one was the fact that you've got, the, your dice gave you, if you were to roll doubles, right, uh, and, you're, and you're rolling three doubles, then you got to use the amount of those doubles to do additional actions. So it was kind of like, Hey, here, here you go. Oh, look, I just rolled, you know, double sixes. Well, that's 12. So you get to spend 12 action points and here's a list and the actions cost different levels. Okay. So let's say you want to do another attack. That's worth six action points that you could go ahead and spend right now. If you Mm. want to, um, so it rewarded you for doing combinations or probabilities on your dice uh, to be able to achieve those probability. Right. And we referenced it in a previous episode, but Tabletop does such a great job of showing their games and stuff. If you want to see how Dragon Age is played, you can go watch the two episodes where Will Wheaton and his buddies sit down and play a Dragon Age campaign. And I think it's with their designer, right? The- it is. It's with the guy from Green Ronin. Right, and it's it, the the other mechanic I enjoyed about Dragon Age that um, I didn't see with you know that I haven't seen in other ones was around the around the characters and the lore of the, the the various character sets that they were they kept the races to a minimum, but you had various element and, and also the. Um, classes i guess that's the word i'm looking for marty where you know you're either a wizard or you're a warrior or you're a rogue and that was basically it okay so it kept it fairly simple 
um, kept it trying it kept it along with the game now a lot of people may not like that and they may have expanded on that but I will say one thing about you know Dragon Age I think it's it had two books that were released and it's done you know I haven't seen anything else on it mm. but 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 I did like you know you're rewarded for rolling the dolls that was one of the mechanics I enjoyed um, now another game that we've tried and that we're going to talk about that we've seen in a lot of these games, uh, Iron Kingdoms, uh, Savage World, I think had that is this feat mechanism. Right. Right. Uh, in, um, in Savage Worlds, it's called. Exactly. And what is it called? Hmm? I don't mm. remember. I thought you, it was called. You just keep talking. Okay. You're going to go do a quick. Well, you know, in Iron Kingdoms are called feet and basically you're, you can go out and if you're willing to spend a feat, you get to do like a re-roll or if you fail a check, you can spend that feat to get yourself out of trouble. Um, and that's one of the things that I've been uh, mechanic in the RPGs that I've really enjoyed where if the dice aren't kind, there's a way to get out of it. And I, and I, and I like that from the standpoint that you're not constantly being punished for bad rolls. If you're having a bad luck night and you're just constantly rolling the dreaded snake eyes or whatever, or whatever your role is, your, your, uh, you know, your, your D 20 is not coming up with any twenties at all and things aren't going well. You can spend that feet point or that whatever, um, out there and boom, there you go. You're done. And what's really nice. It gives the game master dungeon master, the ability to reward players for innovation, for creativity, for being able to enhance the role-playing adventure for everyone else. And also I think you could, if you wanted to, it depends if you're the game master, you make the rules, you could take them away for, Oh, that was a terrible pun. I'm not going to award you for that. Or who knows, you know, you, you could do that, but it's a neat mechanic. I like in them that I don't remember when I played D and D you, you weren't given that the dice were what they were. Now I know people are going to be like, Hey, you, 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 you live with what you roll. Well, you know, I, I think to, for the casual gamer, they like that advantage to, come out of having you know bad stuff constantly happen to him did you find it marty yeah it's called bennies bennies yeah but no i like that mechanic too because then it's more about the story and the experience okay everybody's going to have bad roles but at least you know you have an out if there's a role that's like i cannot believe i just rolled that it's like throw them a feet throw them a benny whichever you know system that you're using let me try that again so it, it makes it less about the dice rolls and just more about the game and the fun and the experience. Cause I mean, nobody, I guess there are, there are GMs that when you go into a game, they warn you, by the way, this is going to be a high body count, which means that they're going to come in there and their goal is to try to kill you, you know, mm. in that case. Okay. Well, that's, that's kind of the purpose of the game. But if you're just sitting down with your friends and you're wanting to go through a multi-session campaign, no, I think I'd like to keep my character alive through that time. And the bennies or feats just give you kind of, like you said, an easy out in order to re-roll some bad rolls you may have had. So I do like that system too. But I do want to ask you a question about um, Dragon Age because I want to go to another uh, thing that's different in games. Initiative. How is initiative mm -hmm. done in uh, Dragon Age? It was done the same way that we use in Iron Kingdoms or sa well, almost like Savage World where they use cards. It's the highest number. 
if okay. I remember correctly. It's been it's been two years since I've played it, so I may be wrong on that, Marty. But yeah, you know, initiative is whoever had the highest number. Uh, what I did like was, you know, and I don't know how it's done with other games, is the GM's initiative isn't for each individual. He's got GM initiative. You know, he falls in line with everything else. Oh, okay. Well, well, that is different from Iron Kingdoms because it was per character. The initiative is per character that the GM controls. Okay. Uh, I know different groups came out. Now, this is when we just played this. He, His different groups had different initiatives. Right. Well, that's what I mean. It wasn't okay. like the GM, all of the NPCs are under one initiative role. They, each group, or if it was a particular strong individual, did have his own initiative. Okay. Yeah, I would. I could see that. And I guess it's up to, I guess the ones I did, everybody, they said, just treat everybody as a group so that you can do it. Now, you know, you've talked about how in the one five minute episode initiative episode where I talk about, you know, how I hate that you don't get to react to a turn. Right. Um, that would be a bad side to Dragon Age now that I think about it. You know, oh look, here's a group of seven guys all coming to attack and you got you guys can't do anything. And you, you know? just gotta kinda of back and sit sit back and wait on the results. Yeah. Yeah, the thing the thing I like about on um, this the Savage Worlds initiative, like you said, is card based. So you you use a standard deck of cards and you deal out the cards and the highest suit or highest whatever wow i'm just totally forgetting everything it's 10:51 at night i just cannot think it's think straight what is the kind thing on the card called the highest oh the, the face value the, the uh, highest value there you go gee whiz whoo i need some more mountain dew over here get some caffeine to wake up so anyway so the highest one goes what i like about that is after a round after you take your turn you turn your card in and then the cards are dealt out again so during a um, an encounter, a combat encounter, you have a different initiative every time, every round. Yeah, I, 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 forgot I about like that. that because it's like, well, this time I'm first, but next time you may not be. But with games like Iron Kingdoms and the, and the others is once you enter an encounter, if you're third, well, you're going to be third every single time until the encounter is over. Right. And I guess you could always, if that's something you like, you could always do that house rule. And that's sure. the beautiful thing about RPGs. Who says you got to follow all the rules? You make up your own rules, house rules, just like you do board gaming, you know? That's true. So, without a doubt. But Now, on the um, and we're going to talk about Iron Kingdoms in, in just a second, but as far as the combat, uh, the different tactics. So, are you more inclined to like the ones where y- you do have to measure? Am I in range? Um, do I have line of sight sort of deal? Or more the free-flowing, okay, I see that dude over there. I want to take a shot at him. I'm more inclined to the ones where you actually have to put in real-world thoughts like line of sight, um, having to move to get there, things like that. Because I think that adds to the realism that brings you into the story more than, oh, I want to attack that guy or I want to attack that guy. I I do like that. I like the – and I think that's why I like the miniatures. How about you? No, I, I agree. Um, I do like the tactical part of the encounters. Um, so the other stuff, the story stuff, the the out-of-encounter uh, situations are more uh, free-flowing, a, a little more open. It's like, hey, I want to go investigate this, look at this. But then when you go into the encounter, it's kind of nice to flip the switch. It's like, okay, now I'm going from creative mode to more of a tactical mode. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get both there in a the game. Now, some people may would prefer, I just want to do the creative thing. I just see the guy over there. I pull up my bow. I want to hit him. Do I, I'm going to roll to hit. Did I hit him or not? 
as opposed to other people, it's like, well, you know what? I'm half an inch away from being able to hit that guy, so I guess I can't hit him, so I need to position myself. I want to flank him in all this. I'm kind of that way too. I like that, having the, the tactical uh, portion of the game to be built into the game, which which actually Iron Kingdoms does have. Right. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, I think it, like I said, it, it brings a lot to the game. Uh, but, you know, you do, once again, the GM may see that you're bogging down. Now, one of the neat things that, and I don't remember this um, from when we, what, 30 years ago or whenever I played D&D, um, I don't remember the contested roles where, you know, okay, this character's doing a sneak versus this character that's doing a perception check. Oh, look, he, I, I just threw out terms, Marty. was making me stop. So, you know, and you have to have roll-offs. I don't remember that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that's in all of the games now, and I, and I like that. I like that mechanic of, of the role-playing games where, where you actually do. You have two players rolling against each other. That's kind of neat versus, oh, okay, a number in a book somewhere. Right. You know, another thing i not really crazy about for something like Pathfinder or, or D&D with, with the D20s is there's – you know, you roll a D20, the chances of you rolling a one is the same as rolling a 20. And right. I like the multiple dice rolls where, and we've talked about this before, where's the, there's the whole bell curve thing where if you, you're getting ready to go into some sort of, of an encounter or something like that, you can kind of mathematically figure out, well, I know if I roll these two or three dice, what my average is going to be typically and what I have to roll against that's totally different than just rolling a 1d20 and go, well, let me just take my chances and roll it, you know, without any way to alter the outcome, except I guess based on your skill level, being able to add some sort of skill to whatever the base roll is. So for me, when it comes to the whole tactical thing, I do like rolling multiple dice more than a single, just because of the mathematics behind it. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, you and I both, we've talked about the dice you got to love them or hate them sometime. There's no doubt about that. Yep. yep. All right. So to close this out, is there any other things uh, from, from my standpoint, uh, I guess to sum it up, I like the feed aspects in some of the RPGs that are out there, um, feats, bennies, whatever you call it, where the players are rewarded for being innovative and playing in the game. And I, and I like the more simpler, less crunchies where Hey, if all I need to do is roll a couple of D6s, I'm a happy camper. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the same way. I do I do like the feet concept, the Benny concept. I do like something that's a little more tactical. Um, I think story is very important. Um, I, like you mentioned, you talked about Dark Heresy. You just didn't know that universe. I think playing in a universe that you know a little bit about um, also helps. And that, a lot of that depends on the GM. If you don't know a lot about the universe, if the GM would come in and tell a good story, he can really pull you into that universe and, and make good sense of it. So that's kind of my part, too, is just, just give me a good story, let me play. Hopefully I have an interesting character and some good tactical combat. So in this segment, Marty and I, we're going to talk about what we're doing with an RPG game, which one we picked, why we picked it, and that's around the Iron Kingdoms by Privateer Press. It was out before the miniatures, the War Machine Hordes miniatures, and then they've re-released it just last year. And I think for me, the reason why I was all gung-ho on going and doing this, Marty, was 
I already had the miniatures. I understood the base rules and the RPG followed a lot of that. So it made it real simple for me to, to, you know, be able to immediately jump in and do one of those games and, and be able to enjoy it because I knew the universe right then. It, there was no, no challenge for me. Well, geez, I really can't elaborate on that anymore because you pretty much hit all the nails on the head of, of my points in that, uh, number one, that the combat in the game is almost exactly like the combat on the miniatures. The terms and everything that you use during the game for the combat, the skills, are exactly the same as the miniatures. So when they talk about uh, different uh, terms, and, and now I'm totally having a brain fart i can't even think of an example but there are skills that maybe certain models have in the miniatures game they had the exact same type of skill in the book so when you hear it you know oh i know what that's going to do that's going to if it um if you do a critical hit it's going to light you on fire or it's going to drop an aoe over here it's going to give you corrosive or it's going to do you know this or that so immediately it was very familiar to me the other thing is the whole story privateer press has done an excellent job of fleshing out their universe and they have such a rich tapestry of all this backstory and maps and uh, the whole world and the uh, the wars that are going on between the different races and all the races are fleshed out if you're not really into creating your own world or having to come up with a deep story they've already given you such a great base to work with Again, playing in the miniatures game, you already know a lot about a lot of these people. So in the miniatures game, you have these specific people that named models that show up in the Iron Kingdom's RPG book. It's like, oh, there's that character I've you know fought against on the miniature table before. And here's his backstory. Well, that's kind of interesting. So it's just their universe is awesome. And it's, it's hard. I think you're hard-pressed to maybe find another RPG whose history and lore is so fleshed out. I mean, I'm looking over here um, at the Iron Kingdom's core rule book that's right beside of me. The first hundred pages of that book is nothing but fluff, nothing but about the lore. And then once you read that, you just know so much about what's going on in that world. I agree with you. And it's some, I'm glad we picked it up. I'm glad we're giving it a try. I mean, it's one thing to go and and say hey you know i want fantasy well this this gives me a fantasy background it gives me the mechanics i mean i'll admit dungeons and dragons if you want the fantasy background you go there but we're we're looking at more of the hey give me some magic give me some mechanics give me some machines and that's really what the iron kingdoms brought to me that I enjoy. It's not strictly, you know, all about wizards and rogues and priests and all this other stuff. They're in here. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're all in the, um, IKRP, uh, universe, but you know, I've got war jacks. I got machines. I've got, you know, things that are going out that it's, it, I'm not a big steampunk fan, but you know it, it's in there, and I, and I really enjoy that from the thing. I enjoy their mechanics. I like the D6 rolling. I like you know how you can boost the dice and all that. So once again, it's something that's very familiar. Um, I like what Privateer Press is doing from the standpoint, Marty, on their Full Metal Fridays where they're releasing out um, additional content for free. Mm. That's that's always a plus. Good point. Um, I like that in their No Quarter magazines, they're releasing out continued um, 
new, new skills, new equipment, some additional stories. Um, I hope that for the, I didn't see them listed on free RPG day, but who knows what they may do on their website. You never do know. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. That's a good point about the, the continued, um, uh, supplements that they're releasing after this core book. Now they are going to release, I think it's two more books over the next several years, uh, covering different things. But in the meantime, like you said, their new quarter magazine is a, is a bi-monthly uh, magazine that basically that really covered their miniature stuff. But now every issue has a section strictly for the RPGs. And it's awesome because a lot of the, the equipment in the base book is like the low level stuff it's in the no quarters where you got the more high level stuff that as you play the game, you're going to level up over time and do it. Now for our group, everybody in our group had experience with war machine. So the iron kingdoms RPG was an easy sell. Tony and I basically just started a brand new campaign with the, some of the guys, for example, like, um, well, you've met three of them, Alex, Steve, and Todd, um, are all part of this group. All of us have played War Machine in the past, and all of us kind of jumped on this uh, bandwagon of being able to play. And now we, we've kind of set up this whole story of where we are in this particular city and where these these group of resistance fighters. And we're basically going to take turns being GM and kind of fleshing out this story as we go along. We all have rolled characters. So we're going to keep these characters, level them up over time, and let them grow. And we had our first session a few weeks ago, and it was so much fun. We had we had a lot of fun. The GM was really good that night, and uh, and it, I, afterwards, I was, next day I was going, "Ooh, I got some XP. I've leveled up. Now I got to go buy some stuff." It, it's just a lot of fun. And I know we didn't mention this back in the previous about things about RPGs. We'll make some, you know. Yeah, Ben did a great job. Ben, oh, we're going to hopefully have Ben on the show as a guest speaker. Um, but, you know, that's one thing about RPGs, Marty. Uh, I mean, I think Iron Kings, we've said all we can about. But one thing I love about um, these type of games is, and that I had with computers, it's the quest for XP and loot, man. That's that's what it's about for me. <laughs> that's right. After every battle, uh, is there any loot on these guys that we can get? Hey, I, I had to ask. You never... We almost left without a shield. Well, no, okay? that's that's true. I mean, Steve's <laughs> Warjack basically got a plus two shield out of that fight, and we didn't even check until after it was over. And he said, by the way, there, was there any loot there? And Ben said, you know what? There was. I'll give you a shield. It's like, crap, I needed something. But yeah. It, it, yeah. it's it's a it's a lot of fun. The system is really good. Um, I, I tell you, the um, uh, Privateer Press is, has uh, partnered with a publishing company for putting out a bunch of uh, novellas on their world and some novels coming out. Uh, it, it's just good read. It, it's it's an interesting universe, like you said. It's very steampunkish. It has the magic, but it also has the mechanical part, the the steam engines and stuff. Which it, it's there's there's intrigue. There's races of people that backstab each other, and then sometimes they're working together. And there's and there's uh, you know there's the basic things. There's your trolls and your goblins and and your race of like necromancers and stuff like that. So. It seems like they have it all, and they, they've really put it together really well. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, Marty, episode 12, Where's the Tavern? Done. I think I think it was a good quest. We started out. It started out. We had to, you know, we met up in the tavern. We headed out. We we followed our adventure. We talked about all the various RPGs that were there, um, and then we talked about you know some of the mechanics we enjoyed, and then followed it up with one of the games that we're playing now, Iron Kingdoms. 
Um, hopefully everybody will enjoy this show. I know we didn't, I wish we could have brought, you know, just in for a quick hello from the wives cause you know, who knows, maybe they'll have their own little fan club out there someday, but we'll get them back on. There's no doubt about it, but, um, love to hear from people about their experiences in role-playing games. Are there some other systems out there that, you know, obviously we haven't heard of it. Like you said, there's a ton of them. I mean, my gosh, we, uh, drive through RPG. Is that the website? Yes. We can go out and get a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's just tons and tons of stuff out there for people to try. There's free RPGs. There's, uh, deviations from standard RPGs. I mean, the, the net's just crawling with all this stuff. Yeah. And we did mention the, uh, free RPG day that's coming up in, uh, June, count June, June 15th. 15th. Okay. Ju- Ju- Saturday, June 15th. Um, if you go to free, I think it's free RPG Go find a store that has some RPGs. Basically they just give away some free, um, supplements. Uh, I know that, uh, uh fantasy flight has some, I know that uh, who else? I think Pathfinder's coming out with something, maybe D and D. There's there's some other ones too. That's a little more generic. But if you're interested in RPGs, go by one of your local gaming stores that's sponsoring or part of this free RPG day. Pick up a supplement and try it out. In fact, uh, we're getting ready to go to Origins in a few weeks, and one of the events that our family signed up for, we're going to give it a, a shot to Fantasy Flight's new Star Wars. Edge of the Empire RPG because I've been very interested to see how that plays. So maybe after we come back, I can you know talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about that one. I'm, I mean, you talk about lore and fantasy uh, backdrop. I mean, holy cow! You know, Star Wars has it all, don't they? Yep, yep. And you know what? There's one thing I want to ask you before we close out. What type of RPG setting do you prefer? Is there one like fantasy, sci-fi, western? Is there one that you prefer more than another? I think I'm enjoying the. Um Iron Kingdoms, to be honest with you, because of its its magic and machines. It's not all just magic bows and that and knives. I've got guns and stuff like that. Mm. And the fa- and the fantasy or the sci-fi, I'm not big keen on that because it seems like you know we got a galactic cruiser firing mega missiles. Yeah, that's just if I'm an RPG, I think Iron Kingdoms is is the setting for me. How about you? Well, you know, I agree. I think probably fantasy and maybe because that's the classic D&D and I just see myself as doing something like that. However, I do think it'd be fun sometime to try um, Shadowrun from Catalyst Games Labs. Oh, I, oh yeah. I was just getting ready to say the same thing. I like that. The hacker type thing. Yes. The cyberpunk. Um, so we need to see if there's any free stuff from them. I know they're coming out with a new edition of uh, Shadowrun this year. So I'm kind of curious to see what that game's like. And maybe if there's, you know, sometimes they release like quick start guides or like little intro things. Maybe we can pick up one of those and just see what that is because I like to see what that's all about too. Well, well I know they, they released it last year in 2012. Uh, they had the quick start guide and Catalyst is releasing two for this year, uh, Cosmic Patrol, and they're going to do another quick start for Shadowrun as well as Battletech. <laughs> Wow, where did you pull that information from? That was Uh, awesome. (laughs) www.freerpgday.com. I was going to go, we didn't even talk about this before the show, and you're just ripping out names left and right. I was reading about it before and looking at last year's because I remember pulling the shadow run from last year. I'm I'm with you, though, but I don't want to lose our gaming group right now. No, 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 not at all. But I I do think it'd be fun in the future just as a one-shot just kind of sit mm-hmm. down and try with some people just to see what that world's about. Yeah, and I think that goes back to our love um, 
our crush on Netrunner right now. So yeah, anyway. I mean, do, I guess people are probably getting sick of hearing that because I think we probably mention it every single episode. It's like, would you guys shut up about Netrunner? We get it. You like Netrunner. I know, and, and I understand that. Well, I tell you what, they will know if we really love it or hate it after June 8th, after our <laughs> regional tournament here in the Charlotte area, and you and I don't win a mat, then that – I got a feeling there'll be an end to that game. But if anyway, I, if, a, if I don't get a mad, I'm so flipping the table. Oh, I'm with you there, man. We may just have to, what, what do you mean? Oh, here, Marty, here, here's, here's $90. You send in $90 and see if you can get a regional kit or something. So that sucks. So, but anyway, but anyway, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, we've got, uh, episode 13 will come out. Uh, teaser on that is, Marty's heading to Origins. He's leaving me in Charlotte. I'm really sad about that um, because you could have gone. Be, I no, I couldn't. Um, you could have gone. I know I could have, but maybe next year. Okay. Um, I, I just oh, Marty, I just saw where Minion Games is supporting Cab again at Origins. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Um, just real quick, guys. The Minion Games Cab is the um, board gaming group at Origins that lets you check out games. You pay them twenty dollars and you can check out a game all weekend long. Marty and I did that. Great, great. If you're at Origins, do that. It's worth twenty bucks, and the reason why is you get a free game. Yep, there you go. And um, and then on the last day. The last night, um, they'll go and they did this last year. I don't know if they'll do it this year where they had extra games that they get, that they needed to give out. They gave those out. Um, we picked up two, I picked up an incredible game, um, Nile Deluxe or that was a great game, but they're going to do the same thing, Marty. So let me tell you this. Yeah. Do I need to just go ahead and give you $20 so that you can pay for somebody else in hopes that maybe you can win me a Manhattan project from minion games? Is that what they're going to have? You, but we don't, I know don't what they're know. Gonna have there. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I, it's, I, how about this? When I get to origins, you know, they, they put the list of games that are for free. How about mm-hmm. if I get in touch with you and let you know what they are? Uh, what do you mean? I'm just going to be watching the Twitter account on rolling dice. Uh, taking Try names it. Twitter, um, you know, you mean Dyson, Dyson names. names. Yeah. yeah, I know it's at Dyson names. I know you still haven't got me my laminated sheet. Um, you still haven't got me my t-shirt. They're, they're ordered. <laughs> um, but, but you'll have it at origins. Um, so look for a guy with a, a rolling dice and taking name t-shirts. That's Marty. You know, it will, it will be, uh, I'll be watching our Twitter from origins from you and I'll be commenting on how I hate that I'm not there. Um, then what else we got going on? Anything else coming up? No, I think that's the, you know, that's a good teaser for episode uh, 13. So I guess to close this out, do you want to go through the whole things? Do you have them all memorized or should I do it? Yeah, right. Go for it. <laughs> oh, okay. So as we mentioned, our Twitter account at Dyson names, thanks for all those that had followed so far. Just, post us a comment sometime we're quick to post back or you can go out to uh, board game geek we have a guild page out there rolling dice and taking names we also have a facebook page also and obviously we got our main site which is roll dice take names.com where we put mainly it's our episodes but every once in a while we'll throw out a uh, or tony will tony will throw out a uh, a blog post just talking about maybe some things in general so Uh, We thank everybody for listening again. And as always, keep rolling dice and taking names.
So while recording this episode, in between one of the segments, I had to go take a little bio break. During that time, Tony decided to leave a little message for the audience. Let's listen in. So a little behind the scenes while Marty's away from the mic, we have our show notes that are out there. And as we're flitting around on our computers, we occasionally forget which ones and the various segments. We are a class A show here, let me tell you. So, you know, you'd think we would have a few under our belts, but yeah, not really. That's all right. We know you appreciate the show and, and enjoy it, and we appreciate all the feedback. Speaking of which, if you have any feedback, by all means, please visit our Board Game Geek Guild. Sign up. Leave us some comments. We're out there on Facebook. Give us a little shout-out on the Twitter. Shoot us a tweet or however you want to do it. He hasn't supplied me my um, social laminated car jet that helps me go through this. Matter of fact, he sent me some link to another social feed. I don't even know what this is. Something about Hootie or something. I thought it was maybe Hootie and the Blowfish. I got no idea what that is. So, <clears throat> anyway, send us some feedback. We'd love to have it. What we're really hoping for is that eventually we'd start getting some questions, some, you know, viewer comments. We're getting up there. We're at 150 on our Twitter followers, that's great. We know we're small time, but you know what? Every little bit helps. That's an awesome thing. Oh, he's back. Shh, shh, shh. Don't tell anybody. What were you saying? Nothing. Just talking to our listeners. Okay. <laughs>